Welcome to Alert and Oriented, conversations about God between friends. Join Gary Barkalow and Sam Williamson as we talk about real life with the real God, really. Several years ago, I read an article that said 80% of men think that they are in the top 20% of men with high social skills. And of course, when I read it, I just laughed because you don't have to have read this article or done that study to completely believe it. All you have to have known is 100 men or, or just five men. <laughs> and, and you know, the thing is, is it's the bottom 20% of men that actually get help. Uh, it's, it's the ones who admit that they are not in the top 20% that are the ones getting help. Not the, one, not the 80% who think they're in the top 20%. Yeah, you know, that. <laughs> that's also kind of convicting. because <laughs> And we know guys who are in the bottom of that 80%, right? Right. Who think they're in the top 20. Right. Yeah, I, I, there are. Yeah, we've met people. And, and let me just throw in women into this too, maybe to feel better about myself as a man. <laughs> but I have known people who I would say are really socially awkward or relationally awkward, however you want to say it. And I can tell that people, you know, they may interact with them, but they're they're looking for the exit out of the conversation. Or I feel it. And I'm thinking, do they not know how they're coming across? How they're just awkward in either the way they joke or or eye contact, or they talk about themselves all the time, or they're always critical and and I just and you know, the answer is I know they have no idea that they're like this. They've never examined their own life and a wonder why do people leave conversations with me so quickly? And of course, you know, I'm I'm saying this judging others right now, but I have, you know, you and I have talked about this. I've tried to take time to think how am I coming across? Why when Lee and I were having a conversation, why did she get upset so quickly? And yeah, instead of my problem anyway, is that yeah, exactly. <laughs> and instead of my tendency to going, what is it with her? Is to stop to say, okay, wait, let me start with what is it with me? You know, what? Why did I provoke her to anger so quickly with my words, uh, or what was she was perceiving from my heart? So, yeah, I just think that's that is just so true that we tend to think we're we're better than we are because we don't ever take time to say, what am I like to be around? Isn't that just scary? Like you just said that, what am I like to be around? And yeah, I bet even that self-deceiving 80% would be scared to really ask that question. What am I like to be around? Because it's just scary. You know, you and I have, I don't know, half a dozen or so topics that we think are our, we think God has put on our heart mm-hmm. as sort of a life message. And one of them is calling, one of them is hearing God, one of them is friendship, one of them is humility. But one of them is the understand the, the we believe the godly spiritual understanding value of a self-examined life. And we sometimes slip in, call it the self-evaluated life, but we mean the self-examined life because self-evaluation is like pass-fail, you know, we're flunking, and that's not really our goal here. Our goal is simply to be aware of ourselves 
and aware where we need God more and more in our lives so that we can grow in those areas. But right. self-examination is hugely important, we believe. It is. And I don't see the possibility of personal growth without self-examination. If, if, if I don't stop to, to think, how am I doing? How is my heart doing? How is my relationship with God doing? How is my relationship with others doing? And, and on it goes. If we don't ask that question, we're not going to grow because we're just going to assume like that, the, that group of men, 80%, I'm doing fine when we may not be doing fine. And no one else has the either the, the committed love or the courage to, to talk to us about what they see, which, which we cannot see. Right. Somebody once said that self-deception is not the worst thing we do. It's the reason we do the worst things, though. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like these 80%, if they're not aware of their social needs, because they're deceiving themselves, or if I'm not aware of my need and I'm deceiving myself in a tension with my wife, when, re when really I just said something harsh or insensitive, if I'm not aware of that, I'm deceiving myself and I'm going to continue to blunder down that alley. Yeah. And, and, you know, Sam, as I think about this, if, if we lived, well, I don't know how to say this. If we didn't live in a world that was constantly at war with us and with God, and we didn't have an enemy that was trying to steer us away from God and our own flesh, which is at odds with God, Scripture says, if we didn't have those things, perhaps we wouldn't need to evaluate our life so much. But the fact that there, you know, we live in a world of deception, just knowing the world of flesh and the and the devil, that yeah, evaluation has to be something we do all the time because we live in a world of illusion or deception. Socrates, you know, the philosopher of a couple, a few hundred years before Christ, Socrates said, the unexamined life isn't worth living. And I think if a non-believer can recognize the huge value of an examined life, how much more should we believers? Because I think, I think one of the reasons those 80% of the men, at least 60 of those 80% of the men are so um, self-deceived is because our world places such a high value on self-esteem. Like you yeah. have to, whereas traditional worlds in the past really valued humility. It wouldn't have been hard for people to say, geez, I'm just not as good as Gary is at social, you know, things. It just wouldn't have been hard, but our world, it's almost like we play, we get our value from how highly we esteem ourselves. And so I think we're scared to just admit the truth. Whereas traditionally people always wanted to improve. You know, if you wanted to get, you wanted to grow in love, you wanted to grow in humility, you wanted to grow in joy. And to do that, we have to recognize what we lack. It, it, it wasn't, it's a pretty common sense little uh, formula there. Right. Yeah. And you're right. We live in a culture where Basically, the culture says, do not dare make me feel bad yes, about right. who I am or what I want or who I think I am. Um, right, right. So we live in such a different culture. Now, you, you brought up a, a, 
a quote, and I had one that hit me, and I don't remember when I read this, but it's by A.W. Tozier. And he said, an unexamined Christian exists like an unattended garden. Let your garden go unattended for a few months, and you will not have roses and tomatoes but weeds. An unexamined Christian life is like an unkept house. Lock your house up as tight as you will and leave it long. And when you come back, you will not believe the dirt that got in from somewhere. It takes examination, teaching, instruction, discipline, caring, tending, weeding, and cultivating to keep the life right. That's just astoundingly true, isn't it? Especially the dust thing. That's what really hits me, right? You can have a, a room locked up. And somehow you can come back, you know, a month or two later and it's dirty and you're thinking, where did this come from? Well, it's the environment, you know, and we live in an environment as believers that is filled with dirt, you know, and contaminants. And if we don't evaluate, we don't tend to the garden of our heart and our, our relationship with God. It's something's going to happen to it. And, and we're going to, we're going to utter to ourselves or to others that, that common but terrible phrase, how did I become this person? Or how did I get here? You know? And I don't think I, I, the way you and I talk about this, there's sort of like, there's two extremes. We are not advocating increased narcissism. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're not saying I got to think about myself more and more and more. I think we're talking in a sense about just an awareness of ourselves. Yeah. But it's an awareness that, that involves two things, honesty and humility. It's not so bad to say, oh my goodness, I'm not a star athlete. You know, They're never going to ask me to play in the Super Bowl. I mean, is that real humility? But I think it's equally honest to say, I'm not as loving as I think I am. I'm not as joyful as God can make me. You know, um, it's not that bad to just admit these things. And actually, I think it brings a kind of life because, because there's hope then that God can do more and more and more. And honest, examined life is not meant to make us narcissists, but it's also not meant to make us super depressed. Like, oh, great, one more burden I got to carry. It's, I think, an invitation from God to learn from all the things he's put. What, what is God up to in our life? It's a certain sense we can ask. It's a yeah. question we can say, God is allowing things in our life because he loves us and he wants to increase our love, increase our peace, increase our graciousness to other people. And he's allowing circumstances in our lives. And, and honest examination is sort of to say, what is God up to in my life? It isn't, right. it isn't narcissism and it isn't depressing. Right. And the other side to what has got up to in my life? That question is the very thing that we do in the, in the calling retreats and calling conferences and on the calling course is to say, look at your life and say, God, what is true of me? What, what have you given me to give to others? What, what is the particular, if I could use the word genius that you have given me, the particular way I see and I understand you and the world, God, and and how I can help others. And so there's that side of self-examination too, of seeing, as you said, God, what are you up to? What have you done to me? Who am I that I'm to offer to others? See, I, I just slipped into the same thing again, Gary. You know, we keep saying the self-examined life 
is also the positives. What has what yeah. artistry has God put in me that He wants me to express? And I already forgot it. I'm just looking at all the negatives again. I mean, the exam, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the examined life is a life is a joy giving thing. And the idea of saying, God has put in my heart the ability to care for the poor. God has put in my heart the ability to to really pursue truth. God has put in my heart the 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 care for the sick. I mean, God has put this in my heart and it's right and good and true for me to live that out. But but as you said, we need a self-examined life to be able to understand that, to be able to see what it is that God has put in us. And yeah. I was already forgetting that positive side of it. <laughs> well, and that, okay. And I'm just so being the, honest here. I just examined uh, yeah, my you're, life you're, and I'm being honest. <laughs> you're, you're honest and you're humble. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that makes me think about that verse. Speaking of the positive side, who am I really? What what is the calling on my life, and how do I bless others, help others? So I think about the you know scripture we're all familiar with. Everyone listening, the Second Timothy one six. I, I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Yeah, and and of course that's the gift of God is both His life in us, as well as whatever giftings He's given us as well. But it makes me think of you know something. Something I love when I go camping, and I also despise our campfires. You know, I love a good campfire. It's just amazing to sit by one at night and the noise and the warmth and everything else. But the thing I despise about it is it is so much work. You know, you have to tend it. And and I and and typically when I get in trouble with a campfire is when I just forget about it. I'm doing something else, I'm thinking about something else, and all of a sudden, you know, it's pretty much gone out now because I didn't tend it. I didn't put more wood on the fire. I didn't keep the wood together. Um, I didn't examine the fire. And then it just becomes kind of all, all irritating smoke instead of, you know, beautiful warmth and light. And I think that's the same for our life. You know, I just have to keep examining my life to make sure that fire is going well and, and not. And, and so I have to ask those questions. How is my heart doing? How am I doing? How does it seem people are doing with me? Am I, you know, can I tell that I'm coming across wrong? How is my relationship with God? Does it feel warm or cold? I mean, just those constant questions, you know. And and the, so it's an awareness of ourselves, a humble and honest awareness and the questions, because you're talking about sort of the proactive side of things, which is... Yeah. How did that interaction with my wife just go? How did that interaction with that friend just go? I had a friend who had been in the Army Special Forces, and he he's told me that after every kind of skirmish or battle, um, they have to write an after-action report. And the little motto they had, at least in his unit, was, the battle isn't over till all the bullets have been counted. And the idea was, I mean, you think of the battle, that five minute of bullets flying, he's saying, no, we really want to learn from it. So whether we won that skirmish or lost that skirmish, we want to understand what we did right so we can do it better and what we did wrong so that we can avoid it. And and it wasn't like a grade on this thing. Oh, we failed that or we passed. It was, what can we learn? And so there is the awareness that I've been talking about, but then I like your comment about what are the questions we can ask so that when we have a skirmish, you know, we can say, okay, what, 
what did I do that was good? But what did I do that I could have done better? Mm. Or, or I could have just zipped my mouth, you know? I, those yeah. are very, very healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I was, to be really current, so last night I was laying in bed and I was just thinking about a conversation in the previous week that I had with somebody that, you know, it didn't go well. It wasn't awful, but it just didn't go well, I don't think. And as I was thinking about that, going, I wonder why that didn't go well, at least in my estimation. Um, God brought to my mind the scripture about, um, you know, if you speak, but you do not have love, you're like a, a clanging, what, symbols? And what's yeah. the, what are the sims, the, the terms? Yeah, it's clanging symbols. It's all those yeah. things. And it isn't very good. Right. It isn't very good. And I was thinking about that. And I thought two things. I thought, well, okay, I don't know that I was doing it with love in my heart for that person. I was partially wanting to make a point. And yeah, I could say I wanted to bring clarity to it, but I'm not sure love was a part of my goal for clarity. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, the thing about clanging cymbals or a gong or whatever they use is, it's just irritating noise. It's meaningless. It, it's irritating. It doesn't get anything across that's beneficial. And it just made me think about, gosh, I really do need to think about my motivation when I'm about to speak. Why do I want to say this right now? Now, does that mean the next time I have a conversation, I'm going to be thinking about my motive? <laughs> no, because I think I'm in the 80% thing and usually my motive is right. <laughs> but, but it was just one of those examining moments to say, God, I, I really want to help me. Is there something for me to understand in that conversation that I don't think was beneficial or went well? You know, Gary, I I have had something like that in my life recently where normally every year I have something called, we, we've called in the past a transcendent pursuit, something that I feel like mm -hmm. God is teaching me. And this year, while I haven't, officially signed up for a transcendent pursuit. I just keep thinking God is trying to teach me to wait on him. And I realize in situation after situation, God just does something without me. And I feel like God's saying, see, Sam, now do you see where you're trying to rush in? Where only fools rush in. And you're not just waiting on me to see something that I've done that was that may have been better than your plan, Sam. And honestly, just becoming aware of God's action is filling me with a kind of joy, which is, I like the fact that God wants to work with me, comradeship with me, to let me serve him, and he works through me. But sometimes it feels like a pressure, like it's up to me to make this happen. And if I don't make this happen, you know, the whole world is going to go to hell in a handbag. But to say, God is always in charge. He's always bringing good out of bad. In the end, I've read the end of the book, you know, the last chapter, and he he wins, and he's inviting me to participate in this, and he's going to work through me. It, it's a lot more peaceful and hopeful to have, for God to keep reminding me, Sam, just learn to wait on me, trust in me, hope in me, wait on me, see me act. And now it's making the things that I do more peaceful and joyful. Yeah. Well, and, and Sam, didn't you say that kind of your your word for the year this year or your focus, your kind theme. of intentional gaze yeah. theme is, how did you say it? It's, it's trusting 
in the goodness of God, trusting in him mm-hmm. to act. Which is sort of the corollary of waiting on him. and Right, waiting on him. Yeah. And that's that really is an an examining exercise you know it's it's causing yourself to ask am i waiting on him um and gosh that's kind of the most one of the most profound things right that we can do is like jesus said when i come back will i find people with faith the same thing are they waiting so it's just it it, it I, what i like about that sam is you have something that would kind of triggers personal self-examination again and again and again as you think about that theme. How am I doing with that? And and all of its roots that come out from that idea, am I waiting on God? And and for me, the corollary, one other, you know, I said things that were you and I jointly feel God calling us two messages, calling, hearing God, um, friendship. I think self-examination is one of them. Humility is one of them. I think one of them is curiosity which is self-examination can be married to humility. It can be married to hearing God. It can be married to calling. I think it's also married to curiosity. It's yeah. fine to say, now, why did I do that? What, what was going on with me? I mean, it's, I like being curious. Curiosity is a fun, I don't know, what is it? Is it an emotion? Is it a mental state? Curiosity is fun. And I think God invites us to be just curious. Why did I do that? You know, what's right. going on inside me? What is God up to? I think that's a, a nice way to phrase it. What is God up to? You know, as you say that, I think I think that the 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 route to being truly curious about our life and others is having a belief in the goodness and the intervention of God. Mm-hmm. Because if I, you know, if I can live underneath well the the grace of God over my life, his mercy, his love over my life, and all these things have nothing to do with me, everything to do with Jesus' death for me, then I can feel free to be curious about things versus, oh, I don't want to explore that because I'm going to find out I'm worse than I thought. And I'm further from God than I thought. You know, and so I do think that I, I will be freer as I rest more in the grace of God to be curious about, I wonder why I did that or wonder why it didn't go well or wonder why they, you know, I, I think that's really true. Is just there's a joy and a fun and curiosity. There can be. So one of the things that I think we both want to mention is we we really believe a healthy spiritual exam in life is absolutely important for a healthy spiritual life, and we we feel it enough that we did put on a retreat last fall called the Self Examine Life. And I can't actually remember if that's the real title, but it's something along the examine life, but it's a spiritual self-examine life. We're doing it with God, with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we do want to invite people to visit this course. We've turned it into an online class. And, you know, it's something we really believe is important for our lives and really valuable. And that's why we put the energy into putting this class together. And I think we'd like to invite people to sign up for it. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And right, when we did this, Sam, I mean, we we put a lot of hours into preparing for this, not not to simply have I would say we put in 67 years, but well, you know what? That's really is true. (laughs) That's a good comment. Thank you. Yeah. And so we really did, you know, we we put a lot of time into this. 
and and in this retreat now just for to let people know we were speaking at a men's retreat but what mm-hmm. we spoke on was not simply about the masculine heart it's about the masculine and feminine heart it's about the heart period it's the human heart it's the human heart thank you and you know we we were i think deeply biblical in our source of what we were talking about not coming up with the world's idea of Right. Living not at, Socrates self-examined, yeah, but not but Socrates biblical, under the gospel, right? Under the gospel, you know, as well as sharing a lot of our personal stories, because we have talked, you and I have talked about this for years and have tried to work through this and, and lived continually and examine life. So yeah, everyone, just like Sam said, we, we have taken the time to do it, to record it and to put it up for you. We, we really do want you invite you to take this course. Um, the way you can get to the course, by the way, because because this is a podcast, it's hard to put the link in here. But we would, you would, I suggest you go to the website called thenobleheart.com. Thenobleheart.com, and then there's a page there called courses. And on the courses page, there's a calling course, there's a hearing God course, there's a friendship course, but there's a new court course called the examine life. And Gary, is there a price on this? I just don't remember. You know, isn't this funny? I do. I think, I think the first session is free. And then after that, we're just, we're asking for $35, though we don't want to preclude anyone from taking the course because they can't afford it. Great point. So the, the first of five lessons is free. If you want to listen to the rest, it's a $35 um, cost. But if you can't make it, email either Gary or me, and we'll get you in for free. You yep. will. Yeah. So, Sam, this was good. Uh, everyone, we're so glad you listened to this. Again, we have we have touched on this. It, it may not sound new if you've ever heard from us before, but uh, we think this is essential. And this was, Sam, this was fun to talk about this again. It was. And, you know, I... I just want to say again, I think one of the greatest skills that God is teaching me as I get older is the value of an examined life. And we're just trying to share what we think God has put on our hearts for other people. I think it's really good. Yep. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you. See you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Please join us by following this podcast or liking it and visit our websites thenobleheart.com and beliefsoftheheart.com for more resources in living the eternal life with God today. You'll find articles, videos, and online classes. See you next week.